0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? More details and just a few tickets left at bloomberg.com slash techsf. Good morning, it's Friday the 11th of
1: August. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepker.
2: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, China's once top property developer turns into a penny stock as Biden calls the Chinese economy a ticking time bomb.
1: Up to 35,000 tiny Chinese hedge funds could close as Beijing announces new regulations for the sector.
2: And US inflation data leads the Fed's rate setters to favour another hold in rates.
1: Let's start with a roundup of our top stories.
2: China's once largest developer by sale has become a penny stock amid growing debt concerns. Country Gardens now lost more than 93% of its market value after peaking at $50 billion in 2018. But Ha Chow, Head of Fixed Income Asia at Rebeco, says it's easy to read too much into the news.
1: You know, not everything is broken. The property side of things is extremely stressed, but these are cyclical elements. Restructuring within this industry has already been happening in the last year in terms of the way it operates. It's a bit unfortunate for our company that has survived, you know, nearly two years of very difficult, I would say very difficult circumstances to kind of get to this state.
2: Despite Tu Ha Chao's view, debt continues to be a problem in other parts of the economy. Beijing says it will now allow provincial-level governments to raise about 1 trillion yuan or almost $140 billion via bond sales. The programme will, in effect, bail out weaker issuers, including local government financing vehicles, shifting the debt burden to the state.
1: Now, China's economic problems are, quote, a ticking time bomb, according to Joe Biden. Speaking at a political fundraiser, the U.S. president said that slowing Chinese growth means the country is in trouble, with the highest unemployment rate going. Bloomberg's Stephen Engel says that Biden's comments will have an impact.
2: This is a comment to donors in a politically charged environment, but the world is small now. Comments like this go far. China will latch onto this and use it to their advantage.
1: Stephen Engel also pointed out that it's not the first time that Biden's off-the-cuff remarks have undercut efforts to stabilise ties between the two nations. In June, he likened Xi to a dictator just a day after the US Secretary of State had visited Beijing.
2: China's army of hedge funds is bracing for a shakeup that will likely drive thousands of them out of business. Bloomberg's Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. New rules are coming as soon as next month.
0: They're expected to force the liquidation of about 37% of all existing hedge funds. That's about 35,000 products. The rules would impose a 10 million yuan asset minimum, or about 1.4 million U.S. dollars. The rules would also cap leverage levels and the size of investments in single security. China wants to professionalize the industry. It's grown sevenfold over the past decade and stands out globally for its large number of players. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
1: Now, when it comes to UBS, it says that it no longer needs the Swiss government's protection for any losses or liquidity strains due to acquiring Credit Suisse and has repaid the government in full for its $57 billion liquidity backstop. The Swiss lender voluntarily waived its multi-billion dollar agreement with the Swiss government. The deal had been in place to protect the bank after it acquired Credit Suisse over a weekend to protect it from collapse.
2: The Federal Reserve is now increasingly likely to leave interest rates unchanged at their next meeting after underlying US inflation rose only modestly. Core consumer prices, excluding food and energy costs, increased by 0.2% in July, the same as June's print. Despite that being the smallest back-to-back rise in more than two years, San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly says the fight is not over.
3: It is not a, a data point that says victory is ours. There's still more work to do and the Fed is fully committed to resolutely bringing inflation back down to its 2% target.
2: Mary Daly was speaking to Yahoo Finance, adding that she remains data-dependent and won't prejudge future hikes.
1: Here in the UK, most companies are not meeting emissions targets as new rules loom. Bloomberg's U.N. Potts has more.
2: UK businesses are set to be hit by a fresh wave of climate regulations, but according to a study, most UK companies aren't setting targets to cut their emissions, putting them on a collision course with increasingly strict regulations. According to analysis by Bain & Company and non-profit CDP, around 64% of corporate emissions in Britain are still not covered by targets. As UK companies fall short on reporting their emissions, there are also signs that money managers are lagging behind. According to a separate report led by the University of Exeter, Britain's pension funds are, quote, dramatically underestimating climate risk. Corporate dithering could be another risk to the UK failing to meet its carbon net zero targets. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. KKR has signed a preliminary agreement with the Italian government over its 23 billion euro bid for the nation's phone network. The US private equity firm signed a memorandum of understanding that could give Italy's treasury as much as a 20% stake in Telecom Italia. The company needs to sell assets to slash its debt pile, but the deal is not yet certain, giving Vivendi, the French media conglomerate, and Telecom Italia's largest shareholder, has repeatedly said it values the grid at around 30 billion euros.
1: Right, those are a few of our top stories. And uh, today it's Friday, so perhaps this is appropriate. Um, There is an amazing story out on the Bluebeck Terminal um, for how it shows the difference in terms of generations. Britain's Gen Z workers, so these are sort of in their 20s, born nineteen ninety six are looking for lower-stress jobs. They're not looking for the hustle. Apparently, this generational shift is really big. I know that we've talked about it before, like quiet quitting and stuff, but this is another iteration of this. Um, And it's really significant for the UK, which has got a very tight labour market, but it it does show that a lot of companies are now really worried about this idea that that maybe this new generation doesn't want to work in the same way that previous ones did.
2: Yeah, and perhaps they need to make changes as a result to attract some staff there as well. This is coming from data from the job site Adzuna provided to Bloomberg, which shows that clicks on jobs like office administrators, uh, account managers or marketing associates have have surged, in fact, 131% uh, uh, for the first half of 2023 compared to the second half of last year, also a lot increased interest in the likes of data analyst roles. These are seen as being jobs where there is more flexibility. There are more options for things like working from home. But at the same time, this is decisions that people are making to perhaps earn a little bit less money to have a little bit more of a life. I
1: I get that. But this caused such controversy in the newsroom when we were talking about it earlier, because the idea was work from home, flexible hours, no big responsibilities, but you can still live your life at Thirty-five thousand pounds. That was what Adzuna was sort of saying. Is you know the, the kind of work-life balance. I sort of wondered whether that's sustainable over your over your whole career, or whether it's possible to have a kind of chill job and still earn a decent amount I don't know it, it caused lots of back and forth between uh, producers and me today oh, I, think,
2: I think it's a very interesting idea and I think it's you know perhaps a reflection of a lot of people who are in this age category are looking and saying well I'm never going to be able to buy a house so yes. perhaps actually being that uh, ambitious about earning a higher salary isn't that important to me and perhaps I'd rather be able to try and balance what I can afford to earn with what I can live with
1: Look, I'm going to underline the fact that I'm not part of Gen Z and, and, just, neither say, am I, but... yeah, and just say that um, I remember 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 the huge bomb that was the Sheryl Sandberg book, Lean In. Uh, So it's like the opposite of that. Now I've got quiet quitting. And apparently there is this new moniker. It's called lazy girl jobs. But yeah, I don't know why girl. But anyway,
2: that's that's a whole other debate as well. Anyway, that's one story definitely got us talking this Friday morning. Let's uh, get back though to our top story this morning around the Chinese property developer Country Garden. Its shares plummeting even further in Hong Kong today. Coming a penny stock amid mounting liquidity concerns. Our China Economy and Government Editor, Jill Deasys, joins us for more on this story now. Jill, how big are the problems at Country Garden as we've seen this slide in shares over the past week?
3: Hey Steven. Yes, uh, the uh, problems are quite bad, aren't they? Um, I mean, look, you alluded to this earlier, but uh, even though Country Garden used to be the, the China's largest developer by sales, is no more. It's still the country's sixth largest. It's got many projects in development. It's employed somewhere around seventy thousand people at the end of last year. And you know, we've heard from uh, a few analysts that have warned this could be a bigger problem than Evergrande was. Um, we got a sense of how bad the uh, the depth of the funding challenges are at this, com- uh, at this company yesterday when they. Uh, said that they expected to post a net loss of as much as a seventy or fifty five billion yuan for the first half of the year. That's like seven point six billion u s dollars. Uh, this is a company that may need to restructure, so yes, the problems here are quite sizable.
1: yeah, what are the next deadlines then that the company is facing as you say Jill this is a this is a major issue.
3: Yeah, Caroline, so look, I think uh, at this point, they we know that they missed these payment deadlines on a couple of coupons they were supposed to deliver this week. Uh, they do have a 30 day grace period to make those missed payments. Uh, they didn't respond to our questions yesterday about whether they had made those payments already. so uh, you know, but there's still there's potentially some some time, a few weeks there. Uh, but if they don't make those payments, they could join a slew of other defaulters, including, of course, Evergrand.
2: What does this story around Country Garden, Jill, tell us about the wider state of the property market in China?
3: I think at this point, it just shows you that these ongoing problems within the property market that we've been talking about for years at this point really just haven't gone away. I mean, the property industry, including related industries, makes up about a fifth of China's GDP. It's pretty sizable. We've ta- we've heard so much uh, from the government about how much they want to help increase funding support uh, for uh, developers, make sure that they're meeting their reasonable financing needs. I mean, there's a reason why uh, it's really important. Um, all this attention has been Focused on the property sector because of how uh, big these these problems are and how much that has these spillover effects on the rest of the economy. I mean, you know, a big story this week out of China was about uh, consumer deflation and how both of these measures, CPI and PPI, entered deflation together for the first time since 2020. A big part of the problem with the the deflation threat has to do with um, you know confidence, depressed confidence, and homebuyers are just not very confident in the property market right now, and that is a big driver.
1: Yeah, Okay. But the overall issue of debt, though, in China, enormous, isn't it? Because another story that we've been reporting on uh, today, the Chinese government debt, a move to shift liabilities to provincial administrations. What more can you tell us about that?
3: Yes. Yeah, so what we've heard from people familiar with this is that this program would um, it would in effect bail out weaker issuers, including what we call local government financing vehicles, and so that would shift the debt burden that they have to uh, uh, provincial governments instead. The idea being that China would allow these provincial level governments to raise about 100 trillion yuan, that's about you know 140 billion U.S. dollars via bond sales. So this is uh, what we describe as a as a debt swap program. Um, this is what I would call a, a, a small step toward addressing uh, these really big. Issues with local debt and financial stability within China. Um, you know, it's it's what they're trying to do is address this problem with hidden debt uh, that refers to funds raised by government-related entities, such as those local government financing vehicles, which borrow from banks and bond markets to finance infrastructure spending and other public projects. So, you know, those really big drivers of uh, growth and economic activity. Um, the one thing I'd warn, though, is that uh, the amount of money covered under this debt swap program is really a drop in the bucket compared to uh, what the IMF estimates some 66 trillion you on that these LGFBs will hold by the end of this year. So it's 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 a step, but it's a small step.
2: Okay, Jill, thanks so much for bringing us up to date on those stories. That's our China Government and Economy Editor, Jill Desis. there. Up next, UK investment in China tech to be reviewed and women flex their spending power.
0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Now,
2: the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers
1: us this morning with basically Leanne Garrens for more details. Let's start with The Times, which has a headline investment in China tech to be reviewed. So another uh, China
4: story, but from a different perspective, Leanne. Yes, indeed, Caroline, because you were obviously speaking earlier on the show about China's economic problems are a ticking time bomb, according to Joe Biden. Now this is all about tech. So the government, the UK government could be planning to follow in the footsteps of the US when it comes to blocking UK companies from investing in Chinese tech businesses. We did discuss this earlier in the week. The Times newspaper says some senior ministers are warning Beijing is posing a significant threat to security here in the UK. And of course, earlier this week, Joe Biden says he wants to ban US investment in Chinese businesses, developing technology in areas that could be critical for the military or for surveillance. So this ban includes things like quantum computing, semiconductors and some other artificial intelligence systems. However, Rishi Sunak believes to be weighing similar restrictions on British firms, but insists such a decision to control outbound investment should be taken with caution. Mm. So Rishi Sunak's thinking this. Of course, Vince Cable, the former leader of the Lib Dems party and business minister, was on Bloomberg. Radio. And I remember he was saying really something interesting in an interview with um, yourself. He was saying that, you know, we shouldn't always bow to the pressure of the US because in some ways, investment from China could help us rather than hinder us.
2: Yeah. And that whole interview is available on the UK Politics Podcast. If you want to listen to it, let's go to the Wall Street Journal next, Leanne. The summer women flexed their spending power.
4: Yeah, this is pretty cool straw actually, and it's something I hadn't thought about before. But we are spashing big, apparently, this summer. And it's not just on, like, tickets to our favourite events. Basically, women are buying all these tickets to go and see Taylor Swift, Beyonce and Barbie. But along with those tickets, we're going with groups of friends, mothers and daughters. And when we go to things like the Barbie movie, apparently we're buying loads of pink outfits. We're painting our nails, moulds colors for Taylor Swift. And we're just doing all of these kind of things. And basically, the Wall Street Journal is calling this the woman's multiplier effect. So their spending power is growing and this is helping the US economy. Local um, economies mm. are also massively benefiting from this. And we've heard this, haven't we? Every time Taylor Swift does a concert somewhere, it massively boosts the hotel industry and helps the economy locally. And I really like the story because it's saying, listen, this is not activism, but it's more entertainment. Us women are enjoying the summer's hottest events and we are com- um, compelled by a common theme, art made by women, that speaks to the experience of being a female. Yeah. So I quite like this idea, Caroline. And apparently we're taking groups of friends, all dressing up to go to these different yeah. concerts. But we love it so much. We're going back again.
1: Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hetke.
2: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
0: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street,